Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Betches Media presents Ha Ha, Laugh, Funny, Mention It All, a Bravo by Betches podcast. We don't say that, but now we said it. With Dylan Hafer. We'll go check, Nibo. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Mention It All podcast. I'm Dylan Hafer, and I am joined once again today by one of my favorite co-hosts, Jordana Abraham. Hey, Jordana. Hey, Dylan. So good to be back. Excited to be here again. I've had a little break. (laughs) A little break, lots going on, but we have a lot to talk about today. Uh, We have a New Jersey finale. We have a summer house prom. Uh, We also have some exciting news. BravoCon is coming back this fall for the first time since since the inaugural BravoCon in 2019. I have to say, uh, when this was announced, it's like I'm excited, but also a little stressed because I feel like I'm still catching up on sleep from when I went to BravoCon in 2019. What was it like? Was it just like a party kind of it, like it was it was like a party, but also, you know, because of what I do for work, it was like a work right. event, but also like a party, but also just it was very over like overstimulating in every sense. Right. It reminds me, I mean, I haven't been, but it looks like it's like the Disney World version of like Bravo. If it were Disney World, like you see all the characters, you take a picture, um, <laughs> you see all your favorites and almost like they're fictionalized. And it's like you, you'll just like turn around because obviously people have their assigned times that they're doing panels and photo ops and whatever. But then also everybody's just kind of like, hanging out and so it's like you'll walk in you'll walk into the you know food area and it's just like oh it's kyle that's so funny right Um, it's alternate reality where all your bravo dreams come true i know i'm very excited uh we'll we'll await more details and information also i just wanted to do a quick little tease we have some exciting new merch coming um, on Shop Betches for our Bravo collection. If you are a fan of our New Jersey wine glass that's been a bestseller throughout this season, we we might have one coming up for another franchise very soon and some other stuff coming down the pipeline. Uh, so go, you can go to betches.co slash Bravo merch if you want to check out that exciting, you know, collection. The housewife stuff is the best. I know. And I have like, I have so much of it in my apartment from like a mixture of things that I've been sent and also some things that I've purchased myself. And I genuinely like I have the we have coasters. I'm using one right now in the studio that have Bravo quotes on them. And I'm like, it makes me happy every time I see the coaster. Isn't it the best when it's like when the quote just fits the exact moment that you that you like think of it or need it? Yeah, it's it's delightful. (laughs) <laughs> I, you can use bravo jargon in everyday conversation it's like the exactly. l woods application it's my it's my only uh my only skill in life um <laughs> let's talk about this new jersey finale you we didn't get to talk last week we are on this trip to nashville which weirdly enough is the season finale it seems very out of order right. out of the ordinary i have to imagine that they did some filming 
after they got back from Nashville and just, I don't know if not much happened or they decided not to use it. But it was very strange that it was like where it's the last night in Nashville. And also the season's over. They usually don't end with like a character storming off. Like they usually end with like a nice little like event where everyone is like cheersing and sort of happy together. So I thought this was a little odd. Yeah, and I appreciate a a finale that has drama to it, but also you usually feel like there's a little bit more closure. And it kind of makes me wonder if they weren't really able to get Teresa to cooperate and do Mm -hmm. some more like closure-y filming after they got back, because it really seemed like if they had that, they would have used it at least for a a little bit, like a few minutes. I don't know. Totally. Well, the theme seemed to be almost like her exit interview was like, I don't need any of this. Like, I've got Louie. So it was almost right. like, I guess, fitting that she was, um, it sort of ended on that note because that was sort of like what she was saying. She's like, I'm really happy and I don't need any of this, like this, which we all know was like the show. <laughs> the dedication to the love bubble really has... Uh- has persisted throughout the season and it's funny because the love bubble like i get like when she's like don't pop my love blah 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 blah." but it's funny even when she's talking to louie and it's just the two of them she's like we have to remember we're in the love bubble nobody else can come in the love and it's like this is real that's she's leaning into the love bubble and i wonder if there's like a merch collab or something coming up right usually when when somebody on a reality show starts to drop like a catchphrase a little too much it's like okay put it on a hat maybe that's her new book title popping the love bubble or like keeping the love bubble (laughs) her new uh Uh. valentine's day collection of something yes i mean the next pair of leggings it's like the love bubble butt leggings or yes love it (laughs) so what was your kind of thought process watching this nashville trip and the way that it seemed like teresa really the kind of every group opportunity to me it felt like she was trying to have a big moment with margaret and i actually Mm -hmm. liked seeing the way at the when they were at the the chicken place how margaret kind of was like I'm not going to give this to you right now. This isn't the time, the place we'll talk about it later, but like, no, I'm not engaging. Not at this moment. Yeah. I mean, and then you see at the, what I like, it's about what I like about this, about Jersey in general is that they do seem to have moments of like vulnerability. That's again, seem authentic. And like, it makes you think like in a fight with your friend, like it would just, it would just be hashed out if you could both just say where you're coming from and like the insecurities that led you to be there. And it was so weird because it seemed like they were almost about to resolve it. Like they were getting closer at the, at the last scene restaurant when they were talking and then something happened where like someone got mad and it was ruined. But like, I really liked the fact that Teresa was like, listen, like think about it from, from my side. Like I found this guy. I think it's so great. Like and you think about her, like her past few years, it's like, she's been alone. Both of her parents have died who she was extremely close to. Um, she meets this guy. She's so excited. And she's like, she is so excited to be with this person. And she's so happy that like, even Margaret asking a question just seems like a threat to this happiness that she's found for so like that she's been wanting for so long. And it did make me feel bad for her. Um, I think it was a, what one thing she stopped just short of doing 
is taking any responsibility for anything as she does. But I did like somewhat, she did give us some somewhat of an explanation for like, here's why you asking a question was so triggering for me. Yeah. And this was the first time in a while, I feel that we've really been reminded of their, their past as friends and kind of, Mm -hmm how they did have this bond and, you know, Margaret doing the flower thing for after Teresa's mom had passed away. And then, you know, they really did have a good bond at one point. And I think Margaret is right when she says like, I've always cared about Teresa, even when we've had our issues, I've never had ill will toward her or like, I've always wanted kind of the best for her as a person, as a mom, as a whatever. But then like, they have these little flare-ups and we revisit the ponytail pull when Teresa had egged on Danielle. And I think I kind of, I agree with Margaret in a way that she was pretty quick to forgive Teresa for that. I think that could have been, that could have been the type of thing where you sort of cancel out someone as a friend. And I feel like Margaret kind of was like, okay, as long as Danielle is gone, we can try to move forward. Right. But in this situation, it's really tough because I think I I think Margaret is telling the truth when she says that she didn't want to ruin Teresa's relationship. But at the same time, like you said, I understand why Teresa is frustrated with the way that Margaret kept bringing it up. But I just don't I don't I definitely don't feel like all of the things that then Teresa has said about Margaret are in any way warranted as a response like you can talk through it you can talk through your issues on the level that they're on without you know retaliating in six other ways and I think that's that's where Teresa really is losing me right now Mm -hmm. is that it's like is that it's like when she straight up says I wasn't fat shaming you and it's like but you were yeah you were right that's that's really her her main flaw is that she is an inability to cop to any wrongdoing. There's no real sense of I, it's like kind of like I did this because you provoked me or I did mm-hmm. this because like, and she thinks almost saying why she did it isn't, is, is the same as an apology and it's not. Um, and I, th- I mean, I do think on Margaret's end, it's interesting. Cause she's like, I'm all about putting it out there. When you met me, I said, I, I, I was cheating on my husband with the carpenter and I had an affair and like, that's, and I understand the, the idea of like, okay, but that's you and that's not everyone else. Um, and like if Teresa wants to, to face her, you know what I mean? Her ghosts or her demons in her own way. So I think, but Margaret also is not, I agree. Like Teresa's retaliation was so crazy and so over the top that if she had just, if they had decided had this conversation on literally filming day one at the pool party and Margaret was like, there's all these questions. And Teresa was like, listen, I'm, I'm really happy. And like, uh, I've been so miserable for so long and I'm just like, so excited to be with this guy that like just talking about this is just driving me crazy. And I'm, I'm scared. I'm going to react in a, in a really negative way. Like if that had happened on day one, this whole thing would have been avoided. But instead, Teresa's uh, reaction to anyone asking any questions is to just try to pummel them into the ground. And she thinks that's an effective strategy for getting to shut people up, which for some people it is, not for Margaret. Yeah. And I think anyone, like, even if you are, even if you lean more Team Teresa, the way that she was kind of 
pretending not to know or not to care or, you know, when she was saying, oh, I don't know what this video is, blah, 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 blah. Like that doesn't make it, that doesn't make me believe that she doesn't care. That makes me believe that she doesn't want to talk about it, which is right. a different a different thing. And you know, she specifically, she blames Margaret's bad energy for m- making me turn into that. And it's like, it's like a abusive sort of like way to dis- that's like a emotionally abusive way. To, like you made me like you made me do it. You made me verbally abuse you. You made me hit you. Like you made me be like physically assault you. Like that is not an okay response. Yeah, and I think go I mean separate from whatever is happening with Margaret and Teresa, I got to say the more time that Louis spends on camera is not reassuring me that he is the the perfect guy that Teresa wants us to believe the way that he speaks about his exes is really really rough for me he mm-hmm. he's talking to Joe Gorga he pulls Joe aside at this last night um to ask for his blessing to propose to Teresa as if he's her father which I guess it was nice I don't know whatever right I didn't have a major issue I thought with it would have been nice if it was off camera not at a group <laughs> gathering like it didn't seem it didn't seem authentic it seemed like Teresa was like ask my brother on camera that you want it like she almost told him to do that so it would like right. be endearing for him but I think if it was authentic he would have asked him like privately um and not in the middle of a group di- like who does that in the middle right. of a group dinner it would be yeah it would be one thing if they were like at the house and he was like hey come over come to my room but it's it is like strange thinking back to when they were on the shore trip earlier this season and Teresa had her big freak out and they stormed out of the house and she you know they broke the fourth wall and her whole thing was that Louis didn't sign up for this he doesn't need to be asked asked all these questions you know he's not on he's not the one on this show and then the more we see it's like but he clearly doesn't mind being on the show and he really is playing right into I'm sure what the producers love him to do which is he's taking Teresa on the boat and he's bringing the big scroll and doing a whole gesture and he's having all these one-on-one conversations with Teresa about the other women and now he's pulling Joe aside on by the way the second group trip of the season that he's attended and it's the last night of filming and he's purposely asking Joe on camera for his permission when he says they're not going on this trip to Greece when he's going to propose for like another month. There's plenty of time to to have this conversation right. once you're back in Jersey. Like whether or not you think it's a problem that he's doing this stuff on camera, he's clearly fine playing along with the show. So then going back to earlier in the season when Teresa's making a whole big deal out of he didn't sign up for this, it's like, well, he obviously did. (laughs) Right. And you can't just choose to like, he only signed up for this if he looks like the doting fiance that saved me from like all these bad people. Like that's not how reality TV works. You don't get the edit you want. You get the edit that like is real. And so I think he does. I I think he wouldn't mind being on the show, but he's like he wouldn't mind being on the show as long as everything is portrayed of him being yeah. like amazing. And that's what that's what makes me really wonder whether Teresa wants to stay on the show because she doesn't have control at the end of the day over how they're going to portray her. And the vibe I'm getting from her in this finale is very much like 
we're not going to do this if they're not going to make it play for us. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, we don't need this. We're done. We're walking away. And obviously walking away from the cast dinner is not the same as walking away from the show, but it's, it feels like she's starting to lay the foundation of like, I care more about my love bubble than I do about you bitches. And Mm -hmm. like, depending how the reunion goes, like that could be a kind of a one-way ticket to where you don't really want to do the show anymore. And yeah, I totally think she's laying the groundwork for that. And it's interesting because like that, all that stuff was sort of said, said without being said subtly on this last episode between her exit interview, but then also like Louie being like, I want like, let's get out of here. Like we, we don't need this. I'll take care. He said something like, I'll take care of, you like you don't essentially like you don't need the money from the show um and you know we have this fifty thousand square foot house or whatever i don't know whatever how many do you know what i mean like that was so tacky yeah but it was basically him being like like if we're not gonna if they're not gonna play along like again like we we have enough money i can take care of you like you don't need this you don't need to do this essentially Name dropping the square footage of your home is really a new one for me. I'm like, okay. So tacky. It's also just like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, does yeah. that mean, is that, is that how you're showing your worth? Like that she doesn't need these people. It's not like, I love you. I'm not, it wasn't, he wasn't like, I'm unconditionally supporting you. I love you. I'm here for you. It's like, I've, I'll work. You don't have to work. And like, we bought a big old house. We, we bought a big house where you can just go home to, instead of having to like talk to these women, if they're not going to kiss your ass. Oh, and yeah. I like that was, he also said, Margaret wants to be in your shoes. I oh guess my him allu- alluding to the fact that he's saying that like, Margaret wants to be like the head, the head bitch in New Jersey, I guess. Right. Yeah. He's direct quote. I wrote this down because I felt, I thought it was so wild. Margaret is starving to sit in your seat. I'm like, yes. damn, I've never really felt that. Like, I I honestly have always felt like Margaret sort of enjoys doing the dance with Teresa on this show. Like, I think Margaret is really good at showing up and playing the game kind of with whoever is there. And so I actually don't think of her as somebody who's like trying to snatch the center seat and get Teresa off her show. But I mean, I think it's telling that that's kind of how Louis sees it as somebody who's come into the group this year. And I mean, speaking of how he sees other people, I want to go back to when he was talking to Joe and Joe, to his credit, is kind of like, hey, like, I'm glad you're making my sister happy. But like, let's talk. There's some stuff. What's up with the past? And I, I appreciated in that moment that Joe was not just kind of like, yep, sounds good. Right. And. Louis is talking about how he had these, quote, desperate, thirsty, low life exes who have said all this shit about him. And I just don't I don't understand sometimes why people don't think about how what they're saying is going to come across, because to me, it really just feels like even if somehow every accusation against Louis is 100 percent fictitious, which I, I don't. I don't really believe that. Right. Even if. And that's what Joe said too. Right. Like even if speaking this way about all of these women, when you're being, you're the one kind of under pressure and the other women in the group have questions about you and you're trying to prove how great you are for Teresa. It's like, just don't, don't, don't speak that way about 
anyone right. about women, about, you know, people in your past. It's like, what does that say when you're saying that everyone I've dated since I was married was a desperate, thirsty low life? It's like, yikes. exactly. What does it say about you? And also, like, what does that say about the current person you're dating? Right. <laughs> you just have, right. And I feel like Teresa watching that would be like, see, he's defending me. He said all, the, all these other girls were low lives. And it's like, it doesn't actually reflect super well on what's yeah. going on right now. And it makes me think that he is pretty manipulative, just generally speaking. Again, like if you like the whole like not any of these things necessarily individually, but if you add them all up, it's like he's saying that everyone in his past who's accused him of anything is crazy in a low life. He's tell he's sort of whispering in her ear about like Margaret wanting to 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 sit in her seat. Um, he's talking about how she doesn't need the show because she has all these things. Like, I think he's sort of like a little bit more manipulative than he comes, even than he comes across on camera because on camera, I think he's trying really hard to be like, I'm just like obsessed with Teresa and we love each other and we're like desperately in love. But you do see little snippets of like things coming out when he gets heated. And even when he was telling her like, um, I'm going to leave if you don't let me speak or like, you know, in, mm-hmm. in that original fight, like there are these little hints of someone who is, you know, questionably like trying to manipulate Teresa and the situation. So I'm really interested to see how this plays out personally. I was, I was surprised to hear Margaret was on Watch What Happens Live last night and she actually kind of had better things to say about Louis post reunion. She said that. She and Andy were saying that Louis spoke a lot at the reunion and actually had like some good things to say. It seemed like they both kind of felt that way. So I'm very intrigued by that. I feel like um, the reunion trailer is pretty intense and exciting. So I'm hoping we get a really good reunion from them. One last thing I want to talk about, how did you feel Jennifer and Dolores did handling kind of being stuck between Teresa and the rest of the group? Because we saw... In the last episode, Dolores was making this analogy about how you have to treat a dog. And Jennifer was saying something about how you, you know, give like candy to a baby. And, you know, it's clear to me that they really are sort of struggling with how they're in the middle of this. But how do you think they kind of handled the situation? I kind of think they did, to be honest, the best that they can as as they are Teresa apologists, right? And I think that's also because Teresa has never come for them. That's big part of what it is. Like it, she, she's never come for Dolores and she's never come for Jennifer. And I think unless you've been a victim of that, I can see why you're like the easier route is to play like Switzerland or to just excuse the behavior because you've never really been on the other end of it. So I think, and again, I think for anyone on the show, it really takes sort of like her victimizing you or her, like you being her target for you to see who she really is. But I think she purposely doesn't go after either of them so that she has these defenders in the group. Like neither of them have ever been really wronged by Teresa. No. And I think, I think, you know, maybe Teresa isn't always the most actively supportive friend to them, but she's also never backstabbed them or betrayed them in a major Mm -hmm. way. And so I think especially Dolores, I think, would be fine kind of wherever she went within the group. But I think for Jennifer, especially her relationships with some of, with a lot of the other women are kind of still 
tentative enough <laughs> that it's like s- falling back on siding with Teresa is sort of like the path of least resistance for her. Cause I feel like if she, if she gave a little bit too much support to Margaret or Jackie or Melissa in a situation like this, I could envision Teresa kind of losing it her. on her. Whereas yeah. I think Dolores has a little bit more of like a, a free pass maybe, or like, you know, they've just known each other forever. I feel like Teresa doesn't really have, there's not like a switch that would flip with Dolores. Whereas I think with, with Jennifer, it's like, you gotta, you got, she has to tend that garden or else it could well, if Del- Yeah. Cause if Dolores is the only one defending her, that could be pretty bad. I mean, it reminds me almost they're getting close to the territory of the like, Beverly Hills, Lisa Vanderpump situation where it's like, you can't fly too close to the sun or mm-hmm. else like you might, cause if the whole group is against you, then you have an issue. Right. And I think you want, we always want there to be multiple layers of dynamics going on in, on a show like this. And so it's like, you don't just want it to be, everyone's mad at Teresa because she's being hard to deal with. It's like, you also want to have that dynamic where Margaret is frustrated with Jennifer and where Dolores is grappling Mm -hmm. with how she's going to handle it. And, you know, Jackie is trying to defend Margaret, but she's going through her own stuff. Like that is the kind of thing that makes a show like this really Really interesting versus just like, Oh yeah. Like I like it. And I, I think going to the reunion, I feel like there's a lot of little like pockets of, stuff to explore and i but i do feel like when teresa's gone like they do have really like the the conversation in the kitchen the morning after um like the barbecue was like a real debate it was like but it was also it was not like that it wasn't like people throwing stuff or yelling but it was like margaret being like i'm really frustrated that no one defended me i'm really frustrated that um you told her she did a good job and it was like it wasn't like a screaming conversation it was just her really like articulately and calmly expressing why she's so frustrated with the group. And she said something, she didn't like keep it in and just like, yeah. and, and let it out in some sort of other destructive way. I thought that was a really interesting conversation that wouldn't have been able to happen if Teresa was there because Teresa for all of her good parts is extremely irrational and extremely hypocritical and just is not able to have like a nuanced discussion where she expresses herself calmly and articulately. Right. And the debate over kind of the merits of Teresa's apology at dinner the night before, I thought that that sort of showed us a lot of kind of where each person in the group is. Like Joe is really trying to just like not have another issue with his sister. So he's like, be glad you got any Mm -hmm. kind of apology. And, you know, Jennifer is kind of on the same page. She doesn't want to fight with Teresa. She's trying to sort of convince Margaret that she got what she needed or that maybe she should apologize to Teresa. And like, I I like seeing everyone in the group kind of doing their own mental calculation of how they feel about the situation versus just kind of being like, well, she's the crazy one. So we're going to treat her like the crazy one. Like it it really feels like there's real kind of thought and emotion going into it versus just like, she's the villain. Exactly. Like it felt much more real and much more authentic, the relationships there than sometimes you see in a lot of these other shows. Totally. Calling all my honeys. Support for today's episode comes from Honey Love. Whether you're a bride, a wedding guest, or simply seeking everyday smoothing, Honey Love is the go-to for all things shapewear. Honey Love has revolutionized compression technology, so you no longer have to feel like you're suffocating while wearing effective shapewear. 
For a limited time, you can get Honey Love on sale. Get 20% off your entire order with our exclusive link, honeylove.com slash MIA. Support our show and check them out at honeylove.com forward slash MIA. When talking about shapewear, Honey Love's best-selling superpower short is the go-to. It has targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas you want more support and areas where you need less compression. Their Signature X targets and sculpts your midsection without squeezing your natural curves. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. The Superpower Short is helping ladies everywhere sculpt and smooth from stomach to thigh by offering just the perfect amount of compression. You won't have to worry about it rolling down, which is unheard of in shapewear, thanks to flexible boning that's hidden in the side seams. This piece is also a booty lifter. Boost bands on the back and thigh give your bottom an amazing shape. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com MIA. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com MIA. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Move with confidence. Thanks to Honey Love. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's talk about Summer House a little bit. We, I thought, I thought it was going to be the finale, and then it was just like not Same. the finale. <laughs> um, so I don't know if I just lied to myself or if I heard that somewhere and made it up. Um, but I guess the finale is that next week is the finale, right? Like so. Next week is the finale, and that's going to include, I think, probably mostly take place at Kyle and Amanda's wedding, which makes sense. Right. Weeks later, I assume it's like a few weeks later. Yeah, I mean, not that many weeks because they don't yeah. have very much. As you can they're see, they're still figuring out a florist and a prenup and all of that. I, I literally was just thinking about this conversation with you every time the prenup comes up because now they've made that kind of the biggest issue in this yeah. like last phase of the season, and you know they're just they yell about it like twice during this episode. Amanda's, you know, saying that she's not going to sign anything if he can't explain to her why it needs to happen. And he's like, I'm not going to talk to you like I'm a school teacher. I just like the more and more we see, I just am like desperate for any encouragement that they are going to be in a good place. And it just is not coming. And it really is making me sad. Yeah. I mean, Kyle is annoying me a lot this season. Like just the way that he projects his own, pro he like thinks his own problems are, he blames everything on the stress of what's going on in his life. But let's be real, right? You have this company, you're not, it's not going anywhere anytime soon. If anything, your life is only going to get more stressful. You're going to get married. You're going to have kids. I don't see it. It's like all downhill from here with like the stress levels and to blame your relationship problems on your stress to me is such a cop out and isn't particularly something that's going to improve like it's kind of like if I'm Amanda and he's saying oh I'm acting this way because I'm really stressed and everyone should just give me a break it's like when do you foresee your life not being stressful life is stressful it's about how you handle that stress that he doesn't really want to seem to be like looking inwardly into like 
the way that he solves those stressful issues. And I guess that's a separate thing than the prenup because that's more about the dinner conversation. (laughs) And they're talking about, you know, okay, so they have this like wedding to-do list. Obviously that is an immediate stressor, but then like you said, the business isn't going anywhere. They've talked about how they want to buy a house at some point. That's going to be a whole thing. Theoretically, maybe they want to have kids sometime. That's going to be a whole thing. It's like even with the business as just kind of like a baseline, there are all these other like life plans they have. And it's like, how is Kyle going to handle any of this? And if, if every time the answer is just going to be, he's going to have a meltdown and throw it in Amanda's face and they're going to be miserable for the next three days. It's like, that doesn't really sound like a great way to start a marriage into a life together. (laughs) Yeah, no, I totally agree. And in terms of the prenup, that whole conversation they had was so Weird, because he was like, while we have a minute, let's talk about the prenup. And then she gives her opinion. And then he's like, you're really going to fight with me about this now? And it's like, you just brought it up. What are you talking about? Like, he brings up the prenup. She gives her stance on the prenup. And then he's like, we're not doing this now. It's like, you just brought it up. It was driving me nuts. Yeah. If that's okay. So if that's like how he genuinely approaches things, that's fucking annoying but if that's like a thing he's doing for the show it's weirdly clunky it's like you've brought this up like every week for the last six weeks and it always feels like you're having kind of a new version of the same conversation and so like if you don't have anything new to say like why don't you just like not bring it up on this episode right bring it up in therapy like when you're talking about it in therapy it's also kind of like it last episode it kind of seemed like they were on the same page which was weird because then it got it somehow blew up but like on the episode with the with the parents and the cake it kind of seemed like her dad was like okay yeah like just send us the document like we'll look it over and then like i'll make sure amanda's protected and we'll we'll take it from there and it's almost like are you trying to start a fight with her by like bringing it up in this way because it seemed like you had kind of had it somewhat resolved before. Right. Like at, at a certain point, if you've agreed to get the lawyers involved, you don't need to have another drunk argument about it until Mm -hmm. after the lawyers have decided what is the right course of action. Also like what were even the varying points of the argument? He was like, she was like, yeah, I'm going to like make sure I get half. And he was like, well, no, you're not like, are they now fighting about the points of the prenup? I don't really even understand what the fight was about. Yeah, I don't understand how she would end up with a majority stake of lover. Like, that seems like, right. if anything, I mean, the most you I'm would sh- have is 50%. But also, he has, I mean, Kyle less has than investors. That. He said that the main reason that he thinks she should have a prenup is because in, his investors want him to. And so it's like, wh- who's having a majority? <laughs> like, right. What's happening here? That didn't, yeah, that didn't, well, he, and he was like, there's, well, there's obviously no way you'd have a majority. And it's like, then they're fighting about the, like, neither of you probably have a majority, but basically she's kind of like, I quit my job. I work on this full time. Like if we get divorced, I want half of whatever stake that you own. Probably. I assume. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I, I guess I'm, I'm excited to see their wedding. It'll be nice, but it's like, oh, we need a. We need to pick me up in this relationship. And I, I don't know where it's coming from at this point. Also, it's kind of like if you're having a freak out and then there's like. When he has these mental breakdowns because of his stress, she just kind of like is like, you're embarrassing me. Go away. Um, 
And then his Carl and and Danielle are the ones who were like calming him down. I'm like, are you gonna have are Carl and Danielle gonna be in like your house with your kids when Kyle like like how do you expect to to deal with this when it comes up in the future? And that's sort of the thing that I think is missing from the resolutions of their fighting or that that worries me about their marriage is it always becomes about the issue at hand and not about the way that they deal with the emotions that cause the thing in the first place. Yeah. They seem to be really um, reliant on kind of the other people in the house to sort of like be their sounding boards and like help them cool off. Mm-hmm. You know, we see um, Amanda just kind of like gets in bed with Paige and it's like, that's like her, her like only refuge from Kyle is like, going and getting in her friend's bed for like three hours and watching a movie. And it's like, that's not actually the way that you are going to have to resolve a fight when it's just like the two of you at home alone. Right. That's what concerns me, but I guess we'll see. What did you think about Lindsay and Carl attending prom together and them sending each other these little notes? I'm like, are y'all are y'all gonna fuck or like what's happening? <laughs> is that happening in the finale? I would I would assume. I mean, so, assume so. Something like that. Yeah, um, she in the preview she like says that she has feelings for him, and he says that he does too. So the, yeah, we're getting there. To me, it kind of did make it does make sense the progression, um, why it would work this time as opposed to last time. I mean, and to me, it's mostly about Carl's personal transformation to where he's like he's sober and he's thinking about who you know, who was there for, and he says that in his note, like I couldn't have gotten through the past seven and a half months without you. And to me, it seemed that the timing seems right for that. It's like, he's choosing. They've, they've gotten to this deeper level by being friends and he's a whole new person. And she like knows who that person is and fully accepts him as that person. Yeah. I, yeah, I like to see him. Also, Lindsay looks amazing in her prom dress from 2003. That's inspired by Halle Berry. I'm like, go off. Good, good for you. She does look good. Yeah. Now streaming only on Disney plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record breaking Eras tour. Swift Vieira's Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. Okay, so Andrea and Paige agreed to go to prom together just as friends. And already I was kind of like, why are you doing this? Nobody needs a prom date. This is all fake. Right. If you've like it's acknowledged that. Right. It's, it's just a party. Most of the people at the party are not even dressed for prom. Um. And then Craig is like stuck at the Canadian border, but then he's not. And then he shows up to surprise Paige. And I just, I kind of feel bad for Andrea. Cause I'm like, I feel like I know Paige has made it clear that they're not going to be a thing. And so it's not like she's like leading him on, but it's like, I just, I, I like Andrea and I, I feel like he's a little bit in a tender position. And mm-hmm. when Craig showed up at the house, I was like, Oh, that has to be a little bit rough. Yeah, it feels like she's just used him, basically. Like, she kind of was using this season to, like, make Craig jealous. And then she got Craig, and she was like, I don't even... Now that now that Craig's here, I'm going to put on a dress. Like, when I was going <laughs> right. with you, I didn't give a shit about how I looked. But now that Craig's here, like, let me put on some makeup. <laughs> 
I thought it was interesting. Um, I saw on social media that apparently at Craig and Austin's live show that they're doing, somebody asked about this season of Summer House and Craig basically trashed the edit and said that, I heard that, yeah. And said that it wasn't really accurate the way that he was like treating Paige this summer and that if if it had really gone down the way that it looks like it went down on the show, that he doesn't think Paige would be in a relationship with him right now. And I thought that was, um, it's interesting to hear him sort of so strongly condemn. It's one thing to say like, oh, the edit wasn't quite accurate. But for him to be like, basically like the editors suck, I'm like, I feel like that's like not, you're like shitting where you eat a little bit. Also, I think that's kind of his excuse for like, Paige probably watches a lot of this season back is like a little embarrassed. Mm-hmm. I would imagine because she's like, I don't like I kind of let Craig do whatever the hell he wants. And then when he decides to be with me, then I'm into him. And I'm, to me, that's a little bit that's not like a super empowering look. So she's probably watching this. They're probably watching this back together. And she's probably like, Ugh, I'm imba- like, I wind up dating you. And you're kind of like not always amazing this whole time. And so for him, he's probably like, that's not really how it happened. Like, this is the edit. Like, I wasn't really like that. Like, to me, it's more just like him dealing with Paige's embarrassment as the show airs. That's a good point. Yeah. Paige is like, I wish it didn't happen this way. And Craig's like, baby, it didn't. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm sure. Like he yeah, said all he, the things he said. He said, I'm not ready to be exclusive with you. He said all that stuff. Like what, like yeah. what, what, what specifically about the edit did they get wrong is kind of what I would want to know. That's always, whenever people bring up the edit and something they do looking unflattering on camera, it's always like, it's not that there's no truth to it ever because obviously the editors have a job to do and you know, they're cutting things out. They're, you know, stitching things together. It's That's not their job. always going to be right. Yeah. Tell a story. But it is like whenever somebody is so harsh on the edit and it feels like they have sort of something to gain from that. It is kind of like, I mean, I'm never going to have the evidence otherwise. Like, I'm never going to see what footage they didn't show us. So, like, right? I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of like a boring. I agree. How long has Craig been on reality TV? Like eight years. Yeah. Like, you know how it works. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. He also said that they that the editors are like weirdly like deferential to Lindsay, like they want us to like Lindsay and that her, her thing with Carl, like we shouldn't believe it. What's funny to me is that I I don't feel like on this show, they've ever really tried to make us think that Lindsay is perfect. Like Lindsay. Yeah. She looks like bad a lot, actually. On the contrary, I think Lindsay is great television and I think she is, I, I do like her as a person, but she has had a lot of, cringe moments over the last edits you could say (laughs) so i think like that's the kind of thing where it's like okay so you're you're saying the editors made you look horrible but then you're saying the editors bend over backwards to make Lindsay look good and i'm like honestly if the editors are if this is the editors bending over backwards to make Lindsay look good they're they're not doing an amazing job because plenty of people watch this show and don't like Lindsay. Yeah. I mean, she had a, she had a very interesting season, seasonal arc. Um, and I don't think she looked amazing with the, with the Austin stuff. I don't think she like looked amazing when she was screaming at the guy she had known a week for not 
staying at the bonfire. Like I, I do think again, blaming the edit is sort of like very low hanging fruit for excusing your behavior. Exactly. Yeah. I, I don't put too much stock in it. Um, but I'm, I'm curious to see kind of how the season comes to a close and, uh, hopefully the wedding will be peaceful. (laughs) I'm excited for the reunion too. Yeah, I'm more excited for the reunion than the wedding, I think. But, you know, whatever. we got to take what we can get. Uh, Jordana, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me. Of course. I'm excited to be back next week once we get into uh, more finale reunion season. So much to unpack. Totally. It's an exciting time on the calendar. And to make sure you don't miss an episode, don't forget to rate, review, and follow the show wherever you listen. You can follow us on Instagram at Bravo by Betches. And until next time, be cool. Don't be all like uncool. Mention It All is produced by Sean Kilby and Jorge Morales Pico. Editing by Sean Kilby. Social media by Dylan Hafer. Guest booking by Nicole Pellegrino. Be sure to follow at Bravo by Betches on Instagram and Twitter. Betches.